Hey there, chitheads. This is Lecky. Um, you may notice that this week's episode of Board Chitless is a little bit shorter than normal and it ends a little bit abruptly. Unfortunately, there was a problem with the recording file this week and part of it was corrupted. So we've done our best to salvage what we can and hope that you enjoy the abridged version of this week's episode. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky and this week I'm joined by... Sam and Tristan. And this week we've been playing DC's Forever Evil and Lords of Waterdeep. Forever Evil, the DC deck building game, is the expansion or a completely unique game based it's, on the Batman game? Yeah, it's playable by itself. It's a, like a separate core set. So the original DC deck building game had all the DC superheroes. So you could play as the entire Justice League. And this is the Forever Evil version. So you get to play as the villains. So yeah. it's exactly the same game, but it's all new characters, all new abilities and everything else. So uh, you could shuffle it into the base game. You could mix it all up. Um, but we played tonight as the villains, and the enemies in this game are the superheroes. So you're actually tracking down uh, Superman and those guys. The Flash and <laughs> Const- Constantine, who seems like a little... Constantine. Thematically you know a weird sort of um, addition. Yeah, there's a really few like that. that just, you're playing along, you know, with your eight-year-old son, having a lovely game of Batman, and then suddenly the Suicide Squad turns up, and you're like, <laughs> let's not talk about what that word means. Um, yeah, and there's some like weirdly, like you say, Constantine from Hellblazer. Yeah. Um, so, but it's kind of cool. I think if if you're a DC fan, uh, the artwork is pinched straight out of the comics, so yeah. it's all top notch. Uh, the gameplay is very basic, basic deck builder. So, re-implementation of Dominion, like all the other deck builders, <laughs> um, and everybody's got variable player powers, but you all start out with the same cards. So, you start out with it seven punches and three vulnerabilities which is frankly it's quite an old version of deck building now there's no uniqueness in the decks when you start out you don't even get like a individual card based on your hero you have a hero ability that's separate yeah um and yeah you you start out with a crap hand with crap punches vulnerabilities that do nothing so literal clutter one of the weakest things i've ever thought in deck building games they could easily just bump up all the numbers across all the cards by one yeah and you'd have punches are one and kicks are two and they're in your hand from the start you know and then at least you don't feel like you've crapped out and played a rubbish hand because you can in the first couple of turns yeah play five cards down and not be able to play the game which as we all know is my least favorite (laughs) mechanic in anything the miss a turn um Anyway, yeah, I'm going on myself yeah. here. What did you think? Um, I, f- I kind of agree with you. I thought it was um, probably, a l- I found it a little bit too difficult to get rid of the vulnerabilities and later on the weaknesses, which are like the vulnerabilities, but worse. So they start stealing VPs from you. Yeah. So not only did it give you nothing, but they also take away at the end of the game. Um, but funnily enough, I managed to get rid of those weaknesses quicker than I did the actual vulnerabilities and um, like original punches. Um, I felt the artwork and the theme of the game was nice and dark. It really like brought down the tone from the... I think it was the Batman game, the other DC um, yeah. game that we played. Um, and that all felt really nice. It was it was a nice um, gamut of supervillains brought in. So there was like Bizarro that you can play as, uh, Black Mantis. I was um, Deathstroke. 
and it was nice to see some of those sort of um, more out there characters in the universe being brought in. Yeah, that's like Black Adam as well. Black Adam. I was playing as Bane. I think you could yeah. be Harley Quinn, and yeah, there's a, a few others. I think you could be Joker. <laughs> He's on the box. Lex Luthor. Raphael was playing as Lex Luthor. Yes, um, and they all have extremely disparate powers. Some are incredibly situational and pointless, and some of them are stupidly powerful. So, but actually, it, it's still kind of swingy yeah. as to how the game plays out anyway. So, for example, in tonight's game, the objective is to get as many points as possible, build up your deck as nicely as you can, try and get cards that destroy your rubbish cards, like old deck builders, and um, take out the bosses, which are the superheroes. So there's eight superheroes in each game. They're worth more points than the cards from the lineup, which just, just churns out cards every turn. At the start of everybody's turn, there's five cards to choose from. And I managed to hoover up all the super heroes and it was just an inevitable point i think we all knew i was gonna win we just had to play out the game at that point um and then of course at the end i did and it's it's all right it's a fun little time waster kind of thing and it's great for playing with kids it was really good for um the little one picking up maths and stuff like that when he was a lot younger yeah definitely um and he still gets a kick out of it because it's batman and everything yeah it would fit nicely into that gap at the start of the night, something to play before we get stuck into a media game. But actually, it takes quite a long time to play. Yeah, well, I think we were done in about 65, 70 minutes, weren't we? Yeah. Just over the hour mark. So for what it gives, for the experience it gives, it does Probably outstays its welcome a Maybe. little bit, it yeah. felt. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's great for like arithmetic if you're playing with a younger audience. Um, as games go, it's probably a good early game. You know, if you're getting into the hobby, it's a because it's not overly complicated. It's not like um, some of the legendary encounters deck builders where it can, some of the combos can just go on and on and you kind of lose yeah. track of what's going on. There was some nice combos towards the end of the game, but there was nothing that you felt really left you behind. And also, in terms of strategy, there's loads of different equipment cards, super villain cards, um, super power cards, and they all key off each other in different ways. So if you're keeping an eye out for what you've already got in your hand and how you can augment that, it's really quick to pick up how you can do that as the game's progressing and start changing tactics depending on what other players are doing. So yeah. there's a bit of meat to the game. Yeah, It's not overly simplistic. I think one of the areas where it is quite simpler uh, is that there's only one stat. So you've got power yeah. and you use power to buy the cards and then that's also the, the power that you use to beat the superheroes and yeah. all the cards generate power. So there's no like balancing like your gold income with your strength with your influence like there is in rune age it's just power <laughs> you yeah. just play power to get power and then take power and, and everything it. is a variant on that so in that respect it is really simple to grasp and every but the the cards do mix up nicely there's lots of variation in, in the cards that come out of the deck there's lots of different abilities that the different characters have but they're all a variation on just boosting this yeah. power. So, and there's a nice amount of take that in there as well. There's a couple of um, PvP sort of cards where you yeah, attack each other over. Yeah, attacking everyone else, stealing some of their um, supplies or trying to steal some of their VP. Yeah. Um, Sam, have you played the Batman game um, previously? Yeah, I've played the original one. I've not played this version. Sam arrived late tonight, so we missed the I, I opening did, gambit. I did. But in my experience from the original, there isn't enough PvP in this. It always felt like a bit of a solo game. You were playing, sharing a table with other people. It was almost like a precursor to a lot of deck builders. Like, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of, if not most, deck building games, but I do enjoy the Alien and Predator legendary games and uh, Shadowrun Crossfire. I found those two to be quite good, but it's just because they add extra elements that yeah. it seems to be missing. Even down to, like you were saying, the alternate resource, weighing up your 
gold versus your power or a bit more PvP or, you know, cooperative yeah. play. And Shadow Run Crossfire, yeah, it's a bit of a matching game. But you know what? The drafting, the cards seem a lot more different. They've got different abilities, different skills. This just feels like this is lacking a lot of those elements. So it is, it's more of a lower level introduction game. Yeah. And the theme itself is aiming itself at younger adults, I think. Oh, I think grown-up DC fans would be angry with you, Sam. <laughs> you should try playing it first, then they can have an opinion. It's <laughs> true that I do forget that Shadow and Crossfire is pretty much a deck builder because there's so much going on at any time and like enemies constantly coming out at you. You feel like your back's against the wall and you really are making decisions, whereas this one's much more lazily, like forever evil. Enemies are there, but you approach them and attack them. They're not like throwing down at you and like legendary alien again you've only got a certain amount of time before you actually lose the game and there's never sort of any sense of jeopardy in this one it's just one of the players is going to win over you it might sound like i've been quite down on this game but i do have all of the stuff for it so okay. <laughs> like all the different implementations and we've got the lord of the rings version of it and everything and uh, all the dc ones and there's one expansion called crisis mode where you play cooperatively and that is like a race against time where you've got to get through the deck and each villain affects the game in a different way. So I think maybe at some point we should introduce that and, and yeah. play it out. But it's another one where it's using the same light system where you're just using power and combos and everything, but it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to play through. Right, okay. So it's a real sort of um, meat grind. You have to be into it. Yeah. Um, but I've never really played it with a, a group. So yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see how that goes down. Because we did just play the competitive victory points race, which is the standard mode. Yeah. Well, I always seem to enjoy um, like deck builders more when they're co-op. There's something about the co-op game mode, stuff like that, um, that just work, works really well. But still, yeah, Forever Evil, if you're looking for a beginner-style deck builder, but you've already like smashed Dominion at your main house too much, then give this one a go. Um, there's a Batman variant as well. And like Tristan was saying, there's other themes available if you're not a huge fan of the DC universe. There's an engine name for it, like Cerberus or something like that, and... Um, they've milked it. <laughs> There's like loads of different implementations of it. The original DC deck building game is probably the best one to start with if you like Batman. Otherwise, yeah, you could go with the Lord of the Rings movie ones. I think there's a few others as well. The second game we played this evening was Lords of Waterdeep, and we played it with a couple of expansions today. Did we have all the expansion content in there? Just a little bit. There's the Scoundrels of Skullport expansion, and we used the non-Skullport expansion bit. There's two There's two plug-in modules, isn't there? There is, yeah. I suppose we just used the Scoundrels, maybe? <laughs> the, the, they've actually got names, haven't they? One of them is Skullport, and one of them is Go. The other one. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> so Tristan's diving into the box. My 50p says, Undermound. Undermound him. Oh, so close. They'll get 25p of each of you for that game. I had all the Undermounting box sets for Dungeons and Dragons back in second edition days. Um, but yes, so yep. Lord of Waterdeep. Yeah, so two it's to five players. Yeah, it's a worker placement Euro game based two in. Two to six players, Sam's pointing at. <laughs> Well, the I, expansion. I can't read. It's very small text, and the box is quite far away. So it's a um, worker placement Euro game for two to six players with the expansions. With the expansions. Otherwise, it's how many? Five. Two to five players. Technically, I was correct the first time around. Worker placement Euro with 
theme. With theme, yeah, yeah. It's based in a Dungeons Dragons universe. Um, which universe is it in? Is it the Never- Forgotten Realms? Forgotten Realms. There we go. So the same realms as no one ever Castle Ravenloft realms. and all that. Sort no, of thing. Castle Ravenloft is in Ravenloft. It's its own thing. Oh, it's its own Unless campaign. they've merged them now. I yeah. mean, my knowledge of any of this stuff goes back to second edition, and then after that, that's over to you, Lucky. Yeah. You're, you're still playing at fifth edition? Um, 15th I'm, edition, yeah, is it now? Fifth, fifth edition. 50th edition. Started on fourth edition. It was rubbish. Fifth edition is much better. Still not played Pathfinder, the uh, hollowed third edition. But before we lose everyone in RPGs, <laughs> let's go back to the game we're actually discussing. This has garnered a reputation as being the work placement to play to get you into board games slash work placements because it's quite straightforward, but there's a lot of game there. Coming back to this after a while, I actually... Liked it a lot more than I remembered. So I, I think I got to a point where we played it quite a lot like a few years ago. You've been now. playing it with your missus as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Non-gamer. Um, so yeah, it's it's perfectly open to non-gamers, but I've been playing it a fair amount a couple of years back. And I got tired of it, I think. But now coming back to it, it, with gamers, it's a different game. It feels like there's more strategy and tactic in it than I remember there being. A bit more depth. And... We were actually realizing whilst we we're playing how well polished the game is, the the board layout, the interaction between stuff. It it's all there. It's all in front of you. It's very clean to see. There's enough interaction between players to keep you all engaged. Yeah. You're in, you've got the victory point track around the board, so you're aware of where everyone is. But the whole idea is you're completing small missions, collecting your heroes, your warriors, clerics, rogues, and wizards. Completing small missions to earn victory points and reputation. In the city, you've all got your own hidden agendas and it's getting more victory points than everyone else. Um, but yeah, it's worker placement. There's lots of little abilities and rules from different buildings and tiles and cars and things that allow you to change the rules and give you access to other things. It's fluid and it's polished and it's it's enjoyable. The end. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I like about this game is the way that it brings in extra resources. So you've got a couple of base actions in the board that you can do from the very beginning um, but one of them is the hall of builders so it'll let you build a building um, so each player is kind of um, thematically running a guild so that's why you're trying to find all these like wizards and rogues and warriors um, to send out on tasks so your guild will own a building once you've built it and that might mean that you can gather some warriors or that you might be able to move a meeple an extra into an extra position um, it lets you do loads of different things you might be able to gather more finances but what's really cool about them is if someone else uses your building then you get a bit of a payback so you'll get a resource off the back of it or you'll get some extra money or a couple of vp and um, so if you build enough buildings then it can really like help your game engine and help you get quests a lot faster also there's a really nice mechanic where there's very limited space on each particular location so a lot of the activities, only one person can do it unless you get um, some of the um, extra abilities that will let a second player jump on. So that really brings in a lot of the strategy. So it, you want to get to the areas that are going to benefit you in terms of resources very quickly, but at the same time, everyone else wants to get to them before you. So you're constantly making decisions with the trade-off of can I get all the resources I want or do I just do this build action really quickly before anyone else does? Yeah, I saw somebody post about it on one of the Facebook groups and over the week, and I just had a real hankering to play it again because it's literally been a couple of years at least since we broke this out. 
um, and it took us about three seconds to pick it back up. It's like, <laughs> look, looks at the setup, everything just comes together so easily, like Sam yeah. mentioned before with the, the board layout and you've got your dudes, you pick up your dude, you put it on a space, it does the thing that the space tells you to do. It gives yeah. you... Uh, and there's quite there are a bunch of resources. You've got warriors, wizards, priests, and rogues, yeah. and gold, and corruption as well in the expansion, and intrigue cards, mm-hmm. and you're using them all to complete the quests, and each quest gives you victory points, but each quest can... Some of them give you extra bonuses, like you'll get some of the wizards back that you just used, and there is like a thematic flavor text, which yeah. we... I noticed I've just started skipping over now and nobody reads that out anymore. <laughs> um, but we played it flat out and it probably less than 90 minutes. I was really surprised at how quickly it went tonight. Yeah. Um, I thought this would be the big game of the night, but I forgot how how you can rattle through it. And it's yeah. because the downtime is so little. Before you know it, it's your turn again. Yeah. And l- like you were saying, if you've got a building bonus, um, if I put a, a, a get my guy down on yours... You get a little kickback from exactly, that. Yeah. And the same happens when you play an intrigue card. So there's stuff coming your way all the time. You're constantly achieving and working towards your objective. And even when people sort of play uh, intrigues on you to screw you over a little bit, even solving like a mandatory quest is going to give you more points as well. You know, so ev- everything in the game is just moving it along at a clip. And there's no miss a turn there's no there's no uh screwage it's and and it's almost like perfect information apart from the intrigue cards yeah all of our scores were very tightly packed together throughout the game and we were all sort of leapfrogging each other yeah you know until maybe towards like the last couple of turns when i managed to bag one of those huge 40 point quests which can swing it quite substantially those are from the expansion yeah Um, we really struggled to catch up after you'd scored that one yeah Yeah. but 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 apart from that you know they were all you know, it was it was a close yeah, it wasn't, thing. It wasn't too far between them. Like you're saying, the intrigue cards were really required because over the move blocking, there's not a lot of player interaction. But then they bring in the whole um, take that element. So there was one that came out in like the second or third round, which was inevitable betrayal. So you play the card, you take two money and one resource off any you, of the You didn't player. have to play the card, Lecky, but I didn't have. But you to. did play it at least when, ten times. When you and you, Sam back and forth. When you get the card, <laughs> you have to kind of play it. After all, it is inevitable. Um, but you give that card to the player you've just attacked, and then they use it right back on you on the next <laughs> totally. turn. And I think it went back and forth between us for about six turns, <laughs> and then it finally made its way to you. There's a few mandatory quests as well, so you can choose your own quests. Then decide which resources you're going to build up and create like a nice little game engine to satisfy that. And then someone kind of coughs and hands you a card that says, before you do that, you've got to give someone else four money and some of your valuable resources before it. Otherwise, you can't move forward in the game. And it's just it's just a nice way of kind of um, adding the extra tactical element. I think I managed to block Sam from scoring a big quest towards the end of the game with one of those. Yeah, right in the last turn. Thanks for that. My pleasure. <laughs> The um, all of the spots are so clean. The graphic design and everything is really slick on it. Um, I paid a little extra for the D and D pulls, so that we actually roughly know what their cubes are all for now, yeah. like because they're shaped like wizards and stuff. Although we still mucked it up about ten times during the game, mixed them up. The theme, I think, I think the theme is there. You do feel like you're a lord plotting yeah. and building. The map of the board is quite cool. I would prefer it to be like really colourful and beautiful, but it's it's like a city plan, which I guess sort of works better. It's a bit it's a bit like the Arkham Horror board. It's almost like sepia effect. Yeah, it, um... like a map. Yeah, 
it really feels like one of the cityscapes for like Baldur's Gate or Waterdeep that you see in the um, player handbooks, though. And that's quite evocative. Yeah. It's blatantly aimed at a D&D audience. Otherwise, why did they bother? <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason they bothered, I think, I, I joined Board Game Geek back in 2005 and this game kept popping up in the top one, like out of all of the games of all time. And it was Agricola, this European medieval farm building yeah. game. Um, a worker placement game and I was like well that's all this why is there no dice and goblins um, but it kept like intriguing me that this you know worker placement thing was at the number one spot so I eventually picked it up and played it a few times and you know discovered these worker placement mechanics and thought this is actually pretty cool and it's actually quite aggressive You, the way that you block each other um, is interesting but the, the theme just never took hold and even playing it solo over and over yeah. like it just it just never really worked. Even like building this little farm, nice colours, little sheeples and um, cow poles or whatever you call them. Um, so so when this when Lords of Waterdeep came along, it was like a real big moment where they were going to cross over and add theme into yeah. this hugely Euro mechanic type game. Um, and I think it succeeded magnificently, and I think it still does. And I'm surprised it's taken us so long to dig it back out again, yeah. especially because it plays so quick. Like you're saying, it's really nice to play a Euro that has so much theme to it that isn't like you're building a medieval village, it's a medieval farm, it's a collection of medieval whatever, yeah. and it they just kind of feel a bit bland. Like a, a lot of those games are built game first, theme and artwork second, and this one, it's, it's a nice little like, bit of medicine to that. Mm-hmm. 